0: This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes. This down one by on Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the Ruchetti power. Barrett oh, does it again oh, from down. He is out. just tearing the Orioles it's apart. It's good. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and there he ties the game. He's the oh, under. Got it. With eight pins left. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. Penetrates creates. It's, And show us some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win. The Yankees win. All right. What's happening, everybody? What's going on? I am your host, RJ Carbone. And you are listening to episode 349 of BD4. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA now, too. We do the Yankees every series, the Knicks every game, MMA on the weekends. Hope you're all having a good day, night, whenever it is you are listening to this. As I'm recording, it's March 29th, Tuesday, March 29th, most likely going to be ...late Tuesday to the 29th... ...as you are listening to or watching this... ...the earliest. Um, Yeah, welcome to the show. Welcome. I... um, Again, if you are new here... ...be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find BD4 on Apple Podcasts... ...Spotify... Um, ...SoundCloud... ...the usual listening platforms. You can also watch the podcast on Spotify... And you can watch it on YouTube. You can follow me on social media. On Facebook. RJ Carbone. And I'm also on Instagram. At Rob J Carbone. And if you guys want to. Follow along. And subscribe to the blog. That I write. Just go and visit. UltimateSportsNetworks.com Put into the search bar. The Bomber Bacher blog. And subscribe to my blog. Using code 6A2841ERJC. That is 6A2841ERJC. And you get a discount per month. You get uh, full access to every single article. Yankees and Knicks. And you get a discount on merch. Now with that out of the way... Let's get to our first quick plug of the night, get back, and then we'll get this thing started. We'll get right into it. We'll talk Knicks. The Knicks picked up a victory against the Chicago Bulls last night on the road. No, I'm sorry. This was at the Garden. Yeah. So, we'll get right into it. No no need to waste any time. And uh, Yep, stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey guys, so I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way we can help the channel grow and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. So the Knicks won last night. They picked up their fourth win in a row, was it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Knicks won. <laughs> 104 to, uh, no, 109, I believe. I have the wrong, do I have the wrong score here? I've got everything on here wrong, so just ignore, if you're watching the podcast, just ignore that. We'll get off that screen. Uh, they won 109 to 104 against the Bulls last night. Um, sorry. I just want to make sure we're set up here. One hundred nine, one hundred four. Um, four in a row, man. That's their longest win streak of the year. It, so it's yeah, definitely their best stretch of the season. Uh, at least since the Bing Bong era, where they won five of six to start the year. Right. Um, but yeah, they were they were um, led by R. J. Barrett last night, who finished with twenty eight. They were led by Alec Burks, who finished with 27. Manuel Quickly had some solid playmaking in the fourth quarter last night. Mitchell Robinson, another solid double-double effort. Obi Toppin was strong again. We'll get to him. A lot of the youth, man. Uh, but yet clutch win. Wasn't supposed to be as clutch as... Sorry, we crashed for a second there. It wasn't supposed to be as clutch as it came down to. But um you know, the Knicks had like a thirteen point second half lead. Um I think it was like sometime in the third quarter. You know, DeRozan didn't make it easy. He wouldn't go away. He scored thirty seven points, but fifteen of those points came in the fourth quarter. But in the end, it's Alec Burks coming through once again with big plays down the stretch. For his second consecutive night, he makes some big-time plays. He, he uh, draws the charge, and then with about 30 or 20-something seconds left, don't remember, he uh, knocks down the corner dagger, another one from the left corner. And then Randall seals the deal later with a couple of free throws. Um, so, yeah, DeRozan, 37. Levine, I think, at 27. I think Vucevic had 16, and, and that IO kid, 10. Uh, the Knicks, though, they get the win, and yeah, it's always nice to beat the Bulls, right? Always, you always want to beat the Bulls. Um, I, I think the first player who I want to dive into here tonight is uh, the effort of Emmanuel quickly, because I really, really liked what I saw from IQ. Um, he's just been balling lately, man, and we know this. And I know, excuse me, I know last night, you know, even though the numbers weren't what they've been of late, he did make a big impact. Um, he had 8 points on 1 of 5, 4 assists, 0 turnovers, which was good. But it was more just watching him play out there, continuing to quarterback the offense and kind of orchestrate them into sets. Um, his patience, his decision-making have been so solid lately. You know, some really savvy playmaking from quickly last night in the fourth, he had the entry pass to Obi Toppin at the top of the period. He had that bounce miss, that bounce pass, to Mitch, uh, coming from the dunker spot. And then, obviously, again late in the game, he had the key driving kick over three defenders in the paint, going cross court to Burks, in the left corner, for the dagger. And I'm not saying he's going to be this full-time point guard. I'm not even saying he will be someday, or is now, I don't know. I, think, I do think, though, that he can at least be a good point guard in stretches, in spurts, right? And do it when he's called to. I think he's got the ability to do that. I think he's a capable point guard. To me, the whole point guard, shooting guard, combo guard thing with quickly is a bit ridiculous in the first place. I think it's like, why is there so much focus on that? Why is he the only player where that's looked at as an issue and not a positive? You know what I mean? Like, the, I feel like the R.J. Barrett guard forward thing early on in his career was a big thing, but it wasn't in a negative way. We're just calling it, he's just a wing. Why can't we just call quickly a combo guard and have that be it? It's not a big thing. Like, to me, it's just, there's it shouldn't be a, like a negative problem, I feel like a lot of Knicks fans are talking about it like as it's some big thing. Just let him play. He's a basketball player. He's got a hoop. We are in a positionless nature of the game anyway in this era. Just let him play. Um, I do think he's better off the ball, but I, that doesn't mean I don't think he should be playing point guard. In fact, I think towards the end of the season here, I'm happy that he's getting more on ball reps in these you know in these games. So he can continue to develop that skill and add that to his resume or to his uh, arsenal. Um, I also thought, so uh, yeah, I think quickly has been good of late. And um, as you can see on the screen, his last 18 games, quickly is averaging 15 points, 5 rebounds. Getting a lot of rebounds for, for a guard. Um, 4 assists, he's shooting 46% from the field and 43% from 3-point land. That's a big one. And most importantly to me, it's the distributing while keeping his turnover count at a low, low rate. He has only two turnovers or less in 15 of those 18 games. Uh, one turnover or less in 10 of those 18 games. He's averaging, I think, 1.3 during that span, I want to say. So, quickly has been outstanding. I love the way he's playing. And I thought last night was another great example of how how, of how well He's played of late despite the stats being more underwhelming um, than not. Now, I also like the effort that we got in this game from RJ Barrett. Um, he was phenomenal. 28 points, six rebounds, three assists, and a steal. Stepping up again. You know, last night, very clearly establishing himself as the guy uh, late in the fourth quarter. Now, DeRozan did touch him up a bit. He torched him. Not going to lie. We know that. But he does that to everybody. He's having a hell of a year, DeRozan is. And RJ himself was balling out. You know, 28 ain't no joke. Um, I thought RJ's attacks to the rim continue to be super aggressive. He's just become extremely relentless on his drives. And that's something that's only going to benefit. You know, he's using the right hand more lately. We're seeing that lately. Last night again. They were giving uh, him the right, and he, and he punished them. He was finishing in traffic on tough defenders. I mean, the, the Bulls aren't a slouch defensively. They're a good defensive team. Didn't matter. Um, he didn't shoot well, but he, got, he worked his way to 28 points because he was getting to the line, and he was finishing. He struggled with the mid-range a lot last night, but other than that and the defense, I thought it was a phenomenal night for Barrett. Working that side pick and roll again, the pistol actions. That's his usual go-to offense. Uh, knocked his free throws down again, late especially. Um, you're starting to think is is Tom Thibodeau maybe starting to figure this thing out? You know, is he coming around? Because lately we are seeing RJ uh, even quickly with the ball in their hands at the end of these games. Not Randall, not Burks. It's ran through RJ. And IQ, you know, and I don't know if anyone heard Thibodeau in his presser last night, <laughs> but he sounded like Knicks fans have sounded all year long. It actually angered me to a point where it's like, where was this energy for the other seventy-one games? <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, he was talking about the youth in a very optimistic manner, um, and he and he even played Obi Top in twenty minutes and Julius twenty-seven, which may have been his season though. We'll get to that. But um, yeah, RJ has been taking on a bigger role, and he's doing it now while we're winning—not just four in a row, but the Knicks. I believe I saw in an article somewhere have now won nine of their last thirteen games. All right, so it's great experience for him and the other Knicks to to have this winning stretch, even if it comes in in these you know quote unquote meaningless games here at the end of the year. Um, And that's another reason why I'm not for tanking. Uh, but, you know, he's actually up to 20 points per game officially now on the season. It was, you know, 19.8, 19.9 for a couple of games. He's got it up to 20 points per game. So hopefully he can keep it that way. And that only keeps climbing from there. But, yeah, he's, he's blossoming into an all-star in my opinion. And I'm, and I'm ready to pay this man. I'm definitely ready. I think he deserves every penny of this potential extension that's coming up. Um, I don't care about your analytics. I don't care about the volume shooting thing. All that, I think, comes with experience. All that, you know, I don't need them to tell me. I don't need numbers to tell me that he struggles right now in certain areas at the rim, in the mid-range, and, you know, the three ball is very average. He's a young player, only in year three. He's 21 years old, right? Um, And he's already averaging over 20 points per game. Look at the way Jimmy Butler's career has turned out right now. Look where he is. And look at the way it began. Very slow start. Look at the numbers. Same thing. Look at the way we talk about this constantly. Jalen Brown's career has turned out right now versus the way he started his career. Everyone in the organization, if you actually follow this team, constantly raves about R.J. Barrett's work ethic. And they have been since he entered the league if he keeps hitting the gym which he will in the summers i think he can eventually be a guy who can shoot 45% from the field or a little bit higher from season to season i think that's very possible you know the analytics won't be so uh, harsh on his his numbers and remember he's doing all this right now you know all 3 years of his career he's played without a point guard let's be honest he's played with no legitimate point guard so far, so uh, yeah, I'm not saying pay him the max, which I think is 181 across 5, that's like a $36 million annual value but I do think you should pay him, and I don't think he'll be a guy who demands the very max, so we'll see how that shapes up, but um, yeah, I I, I like R.J. Barrett, man I'm, I'm ready to buy in on him again because you know, it was a little shaky for me for a while. And I'm still not 100% sold on him becoming anything more than an All-Star, but I definitely think he can become an All-Star now, I think. You know, the issues he has to work on as I said are some of his finishing, you know, right? Do a little bit better of a job going right, maybe, you know, work on finishing over the taller defenders because he doesn't have the athleticism that pop that other guards have. Um and then work on that off the dribble handle, that that jump shot See if you can get something working in the mid-range. Just so you have a go-to for when that left hand isn't working. But I do think he's legit. And I am definitely willing to uh, to pay them in. I uh, will talk about Alec Burks. He had 27 points last night. 6 rebounds. 3 assists. 1 steal. And he went 5 for 10 from 3. Real quickly though. I want to head to break. When we get back, we'll get right to Burks. Stay with us. So if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone. And I'm also on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone. Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. The show you are listening to or watching maybe episode three forty-nine of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. So, um, Alec Burks, real quick, you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about some veteran who's not gonna be here for long. Um, twenty seven points, six boards, three assists, a steal goes five for ten from three point land, nine of nineteen overall very, very, very hot in the second quarter last night. I mean, there was a stretch for a few minutes there where he could not miss a jump shot. He could not miss a shot. He was absolutely working the Bulls. Working Levine on the attack. Uh, The spot-up three ball was was on point. Kickouts from RJ and Julius. The mid-range driving and generating contact which has become his thing. And then comes the fourth quarter. Once more, he uh, he comes through in the clutch, and it's great to get that from Burks yesterday. <clears throat> yesterday, because Fournier was off, he was only two of ten, and um, but again, it's not a coincidence that you're seeing Burks play as well as he is these last couple nights, as a guy who's doing this off the ball, in his natural role, right? I mentioned the spot ups just a second ago. He had RJ feeding him. He had Julius feeding him on kickouts. Quickly at the end, obviously. Mitchell Robinson, I even thought, distributed a key assist to Burks at the top there. Um, so, hopefully this you know this is sustainable and he can, eh, I was going to say, hopefully he can increase his trade value entering the offseason. But you all know my take on, on veterans and trade value, right? We don't need to go there again. Um, but good game for Burks. Uh, Also a good game for Mitch. 16 more points. He had 12 rebounds. 3 blocks. Protecting the paint exceptionally well once again. Was 8 for 9 down there too. Um, Did a real nice job. And he doesn't usually do a real nice job on on Vucevic. But he usually gives him a tough time. But he came through last night. I want to talk about Obi Toppin now. All right, Because again, we saw another strong effort. From Obi. All right. Um, he looks so much better lately, man. I mean, I know IQ playing a better point guard has a lot to do with it. And that's a good thing. But he's also been putting the ball, Obi has. He's been putting the ball on the floor and attacking more himself. He's always had that dribble handoff game working, right? We saw that from his rookie year. That was his thing last year. It used to always be. Obi gets the ball, and right away he passes it off. Last night, a couple nights before, like he's attacking and scoring at the rim. On the ball, on the drive, putting the ball on the floor. He attacked. Other night, he did the same thing. He finished with that reverse dunk. That was off the dribble. And he's exploiting the mismatches and post-up more. We're seeing a couple, you know, couple possessions of that lately. So that's good to see in the half court. Uh, and also, what's good to see in the half court is the three-point shot. It's finally seeming to fall. He used to shoot air balls, complete bricks. He's coming around a bit lately. Um, his last six games, three balls fallen. It's eight for 19. That's 42%. And it's it goes back a little farther than that, too. Um, but... Yeah, it it'd be so nice for Obi to finally develop a decent three-point shot. Just become semi-consistent from there. You know, it doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be a pure shooting stretch four. But if he can step outside the line a couple of times a night, two or three times a night and knock down one or two, that'd be great. You know, just like at Dayton. That's what he did. He kept playing his normal game, right? Making cuts in half-court offense and you know, throwing down those windmills in uh, in the open court. But, also at Dayton, he'd, you know, bring occasional floor stretching. And this would be big. You know, it would drag the defense out of the paint. Clear up room for our guards to penetrate. Better spacing for the Nick offense. And, I don't know that I buy the shot just yet. But I'm definitely not giving up on him as a shooter either. And I'm definitely warming up to the fact that he could become a decent shooter because what I've seen from him as a shooter really in the last month or so is more optimistic than not. But yeah, um, great game for Obi. He was even so great that he, you know, Thibodeau handed him some of Julius's second half minutes during that run. Right. Julius got benched in the fourth, for the majority of it. Um, obviously the big thing is, can Obi keep up this production now that he's been getting bigger minutes. Because it's one thing to do this in spurts and do this in a small sample of minutes. That doesn't always mean you can do it the same thing when you get expanded time. But so far, so good. And as we see on the graphic here on the screen, if you're watching the podcast, you can see it. These last five games, he's um, doing his thing. And I think he's averaging, I don't have it on the screen, 25 minutes a night in these last five. And in those minutes, he's averaging 14 points, six boards, two dimes, 64% on field goals, 41% from three. Five consecutive games now where he's cracked at least 10 points or more. So I love the way Obi is playing. And hopefully, hopefully he can become a guy. And I think those numbers are right there on the screen. I think those are realistic. He can become a guy who can give you 15 and 8. Something like that. You know what I mean? Become a solid starter if his defense improves. Get Julius out of here. <laughs> we'll talk about Randall. We'll talk about him. Um, just trying to avoid it because we won. Let's get to him. Uh, Julius, 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 uh, dude. I <laughs> saw so last night five points, five points, thirteen rebounds, four assists, three turnovers. He shoots one for nine. There was a, I don't know if anybody noticed, but there was that one insane behind-the-back pass that resulted in a turnover from, Rand, from Randall for no reason. He tries to get fancy and throw behind-the-back behind to uh, to Sims, who's not even used to an NBA offense yet. And it just results in a turnover. It was like, what the hell is he even doing at this point? But you could once again tell from the very start of this game that, uh, that Julius was checked out. He wants out. It's obvious more every day now that he wants out. I don't even know why Tibbs checked him in there in the final three minutes, whatever it was, because Obi was rolling. Maybe he wanted to manage Obi's minutes and he didn't want Obi to play a gigantic stretch in the fourth consecutively. But again, that's why his Tibbs' his rotation management is so questionable, because he puts himself into these scenarios. Maybe it was just for confidence reasons. Throwing him in there at the end there to get Randall going. (laughs) To get him, you know. Because if you benched him, Randall's, this whole thing mentally would have been worse. But you could tell Julius wanted no part in that game. No part in that win. I mean, there are times you watch him defensively. And you are completely... There are times you watch this guy and you are shocked that he has not been punished or benched or held to any type of exp- uh, any type of accountability, it shocks the shit out of you because when you watch him play defense, sometimes, man, you could on you could throw a blind man out there with one leg, and that blind man with one leg would look like Kawhi. I swear to shit. Not all the time, but a good portion of the time, it's bad. I mean, to give as little effort as he does sometimes defensively, is just a slap in the face to the entire organization. It's not that he's even being held to no accountability. It's like it's negative accountability. He gets rewarded with this. He was demanding the ball last night in the final few minutes. So he doesn't even bother to screen and set up actions for his teammates. He just stands there with his hands clapping, waiting for the ball. I mean, the whole thing has just gotten so incredibly toxic. Shit. The Garden last night was chanting for Obi at the end of the game. And not only were they chanting for Obi, when he comes into the game, the kid gets a standing ovation. (laughs) Oh, I was embarrassed for Randall there. But I've never seen such a lack of leadership from one player in my entire life. Never I mean, think about it, man. Think about it. The other night we were talking about how Emmanuel quickly was on the tablet teaching some of the rookies. R.J. Barrett's communicating all the time. Taj Gibson is obviously the vocal veteran of the team. Mitchell Robinson goes down on the floor last night, and we get another incident similar to the Obi Toppin one a few months ago, where three guys sprint over to help Mitch up, and, and Randall walks right to the free throw line. He's continuing to not get back on defense after a no-call because he wants to talk to the refs and bitch and moan. He gets a tech last night after grabbing a rebound. I was listening to Boomer and Geo on the morning show this morning. He called Randall uh, Will Smith. (laughs) He called him Will Smith because he keeps throwing his uh, his tantrums. But, you know, I, I say he's trying to pull off a James Harden, if anything. Right? He's trying to force his way off the team. There was actually a report a few minutes ago before I hopped on here. I'm going to read more into that when we sign off. But yeah, there was a report he's trying to get traded. I want to see how real that is. But yeah, look what happened. We didn't even talk about the end of the damn game last night. The Knicks win. Randall has the ball. He chucks the ball away, pissed off, visibly pissed off. He chucks it away. And he sulks off the floor with his head down and goes straight to the tunnel, while every other Nick is happy, celebrating, slapping fives, hugging, embracing each other half court. Randall goes right to the locker room. Right to the locker room. How do you how do you like look at that and say he's not an issue? How does anybody who's looking at Randall? How does anybody who's paying attention to this Knicks team look at Randall and and just say, Oh, yeah, it's fine. We can make it work. <laughs> all the things that have added up this season, all of those things, you can't just ignore this and shrug it off as shit happens as, as, you know, he's just going through a tough time. This is more than that, man. There was even a moment during this game the team was in a huddle. Tibbs was drawing up plays or showing the guy something on his clipboard, and, you know, I think it was like um uh, Taj and Quickly and RJ sitting there. And Randall, once again, sitting alone at the end of the bench. <laughs> he also didn't address the media again last night. So that happened. Is it a fine for every time you don't? Is that how it works? But, I don't know, man. It's it's bad. It's bad. I know he's jealous. I, I get that. I get it, but that can't be a thing. He's definitely jealous. He's jealous that RJ has become the number one guy. He's jealous of Obi getting all the love. You know, he is 100% undoubtedly jealous. And that's a problem. At this point, in my opinion, what you need to do is you just need to sit him out, call it a season for him. Sit out the rest of the six or seven games that we've got left. They had their opportunity there. They really had the perfect opportunity with the hamstring injury. That was the perfect disguised play. Could have went with that. But they opted not to. And now he's going to play, most likely, the rest of the year. And to me, it's it's mental. It's mental. So maybe see a sports psychologist. I don't know. That's what they were also saying on Boomer and Geo this morning. I thought that was a great point. But it's mental. And, you know, physically, he plays like he's hurt sometimes, but he's not. He just doesn't fit the style that the young Nick Corps plays. That's another thing. Like, the Nick core is, they're younger. They're a bit more athletic. They like that run-and-gun style of play. Especially when Cam gets back. Him and RJ got going to run this shit out of the full court game. But that isn't Randall. Randall is a half court nineties style of, of ball. Right? That's the style he plays. He plays that ISO heavy game. But that's small potatoes. Because in the offseason, I hope that's the right term for what I'm about to say. Because <laughs> in the off season, we really had to figure this out. We really have to figure out which direction the the franchise wants to go. Because Randall's stock is gonna be very low once the season concludes. Very low. So at this point it's like shit. Do you do you do it right this offseason or you do you wait till he can build it up? You know, because if you do it in the off season, you're most likely going to be taking on a, a bad contract if you're to move him. You know? Bad situation for bad situation. Then again, if you were to do that It could also hurt the Knicks because, you know, Tibbs is still going to be around, per the report a few weeks ago. And if you get a guy in the bad contract, he's going to play because he's making the money, and Tibbs is going to play in 40 minutes because it's Tibbs. (laughs) I don't know, man. Oh, man. Aside from that, it is nice to see this team play the type of ball that we expected. I still feel like, and you could argue on me all you want, but I'm not going to come to an agreement if you're against me here. I still do feel like the Knicks, had Tibbs shifted towards youth a little earlier in the year, could have at least been a 40-win team, at the very most, 45-win team, you know, around 500 in the playoff race. I do. So although I'm not on the fire Tibbs train anymore, which, by the way, breaking news, I'm not. It's not difficult to grasp the fact at the same time that Thibodeau's lack of lineup flexibility has killed this team this year. He has had a bad coaching season. These third quarters, where we run the entire first unit out there for the entire period, the entire damn thing, despite them struggling, hurts You can't keep doing that when your bench is clearly showing you more energy. All those closing lineups that we've had to deal with of Fournier, Burks, randall That hurt. The young guys go in, they give you energy, they give you defense, and that leads to that fast-break offense. And your casual non-Knicks fans, it's funny because I was just talking to my buddy about this arguing with him will tell you otherwise. They'll tell you the easy one the easy way out. The team sucks. It's not Randall's fault. He's putting up stats. <laughs> but it's that sentence right there. They're non Knicks fans. They don't watch the Knicks. I go to my buddy, I'm like, How many games do you watch, man? Be honest with me. He goes, two. I'm like, dude, that's some middle school shit to tell me That you watch two games, but you don't think it's Randy's fault because he's averaging 19 and 10. (laughs) If that was the case, then every player in NBA history who had good stats would have a ring. (laughs) Shit. Didn't work with Melo. Hey, man. That's it. (laughs) That's all I've got. Let's head to our final break. When we get back, we'll wrap this up with our NYY NYK. MMA question of the day. Stay with us. We'll be right there. All right, folks. Now, if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review, if you so please. So once again, this is if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Thank you. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com, titled The Bomber Bokker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code six A two eight four one E R J C. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bokker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, C seven ninety nine a month. A custom wall tapestry is a sure way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bacher blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomber Barker blog that you use promo code 6A2841ERJC. 6A2841ERJC. Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab. Searching the Bomber Barker blog. And there you have it. All right. Welcome back to BD4 episode 349 of the podcast. So tonight, this episode, our NYY NYK MMA question of the day is Behind Randall, (laughs) behind Randall, who has the most technicals on the Knicks this season? Behind Randall, who has the most technicals on the Knicks this season? Let me know the answer on Facebook, Instagram, however you can reach me. Maybe a YouTube comment section. However you can, let me know the answer. If you get it correct, I will give you a shout-out in the next episode. If you get it incorrect, but you at least attempt to guess the answer, I will let you know what the answer is in the next show. Episode 349, though, that's in the books. Thank you for tuning in. Again, I am your host, RJ Carbone. And, um, yeah, that's all we got. I'll see you in the next one. All right, guys. No uh, no parlay today. No RJ's parlay. I've got one, but I forgot to put it. Uh, I didn't feel like putting it up on the screen. So, uh, 350. We'll uh, have another one for you. <laughs> All right, guys. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll catch you next time. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.